What is going on, Philadelphia Eagles fans? Welcome to another episode of Your Philly Weekly. And it is officially, finally, Victory Monday, baby. Man, what a ride, man. It's been a crazy, crazy ride. It's the first month of football for the Philadelphia Eagles and for us fans, man. And it just feels so good to finally be here, man. I know it's kind of sad that it took us four weeks for to see the Eagles get their first win, man. But they got it. They're in first place in the horrible division. But we're they're here. <laughs> they are here, man. And it's just it's awesome, man. It was great team win. You know, defense was on point, forcing turnovers. When was the last time we saw the Eagles get a, a pick six, an interception, and a fumble in a strip sack fumble? It's been a while. Uh, special teams was on point with punt coverage. Rudy Ford was, uh, man, you could just see how fast Rudy Ford is. And I know he's been uh, he's been with the team for a while now. It's pretty much his, his you know, his specialty is being on special teams and one of the fastest gunners on the team. And, you know, it's a shame that he got hurt again uh, out there because you could really see that he was making a difference on the, as, a, on the, uh, as a gunner on punt coverage. Um, offense, man. Offense, you know, they were up and down again, just like how the season's been so far. Roller coaster ride, but man, what didn't matter. This team, these guys got it all together and it it paid off, man. Carson Wentz, you're seeing those glimpses that we're used to seeing from the Carson Wentz that we know, man, and it's very encouraging signs to see. I'll talk more about that. What I first what I want to talk about is with Doug Peterson and his you know his gutsy call in the first quarter and how, how it paid off towards the end, man. Him going for two points in that uh in the first quarter and when the Eagles scored their first touchdown. You know, it, it no reason for them to do it, really, you know. I know Doug Peterson is very big on analytics and the numbers, you know, the numbers say, you know, you should go for it, increase your chances um, to win. But, I mean, first quarter, you know, you don't really know how the game's going to end, well, turn out. And Doug Peterson goes for two, and it was a great play call, very, um, uh, you know, a little bit of a pretty creative play call right there that they had on the, on the two-point conversion where they got Zach Ertz open in the goal line. Something that's very hard to do right now because you have defenses really targeting Carson Wentz. You, he's getting blanketed. He's seen double coverage. And, you know, it's been a rough rough stretch for, for uh, Zach Ertz, you know. This guy's going through, a, you know, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a secret. He's going through a contract negotiation. He's a little bit frustrated about everything going on with his current contract status. He wants to end his time here in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, but he also wants more guaranteed money because this is more than likely going to be the final contract he gets. So, I mean, it's just very frustrating. It's good to see him end up in the end zone. I know it was just for a two-point conversion, but still um, something that he could hopefully, you know, continue to build off of. It's just, it's going to be, it's going to continue to be hard for him, especially with these next upcoming weeks going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, where these guys have some really good defenses. Um, I expect Mikael, uh, Fitzpatrick, Michael Fitzpatrick to follow Zach Ertz around a lot next week because that's something that he could do, a bigger body uh, safety who could line up against tight ends. Um you know, and until the Eagles get these, you know, until they get Deshaun, Deshaun and Jalen Rager and uh, Alshon Jeffrey back out there, you know, it's just, it's going to, that's just unfortunate. It's just that's how it's going to be right now for Zach Ertz. But that's not to say that's still not helping out the Eagles offense because you're putting extra attention on Zach Ertz. This is where you're going to need these right receivers. Like we saw yesterday with Travis Fogum step up, John Hightower, Greg Ward, man, he seems to make a play at least one big play once a game when we when the Eagles really need it. John Hightower had a very big fourth, uh, I believe it was a fourth down conversion on a slant route where he caught the ball and he got past the six. 
Deontay Burnett had a pretty quiet game. Didn't really see him do much of anything yesterday. But again, we all know he's a guy that, you know, he can make a play here and there as well, too. Um, you know, so that's just something that these these uh, these young wideouts are just going to have to continue to do until the original, the regular starters, uh, Alshon and Deshaun Jackson, Jerry Rigger, come back into these, come back into the lineup. Uh, Richard Rodgers, too, man. The guy had a great game yesterday for, I know, he's been with the Eagles on and off. He's been nicked up by injuries ever since he came uh, to Philadelphia from the uh, Green Bay Packers, man. But, you know, he looked like a pretty decent, reliable number two tight end filling in for Dallas Goddard um, while he's nursing up a, an injury as well. Uh, once an ankle, an ankle injury. So good things to see right there, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, man, I was just so, earlier with Carson Wentz. It's just so good to see him throw a beautiful dime for the second week in a row to uh, to Travis Fogum for a touchdown. You couldn't put that ball any better than Carson Wentz did. You really couldn't. Travis, Travis Fogum did a great job of, con- you know, concentrating on the ball. He even admitted that he lost sight of the ball at one point, but he was able to find it again. We all know how current receivers that were number 13 uh, in the past have had troubles with that, uh, tracking the ball. So very good to see different results with Travis Fogum. He's a little, I know a lot of people were kind of saying like, you know, where is this guy coming from? Who is this guy? And he was a guy that was picked up. Uh, he's from Old Dominion. That's where he played his college ball at. He was picked up by the uh, Detroit Lions and he got cut. Uh, he went to the Green Bay Packers. He got cut. Eagles picked him up late in training camp. And he was kind of turning some heads out there. Uh, he, like I said, he, he got picked up by the Eagles pretty late in training camp and you know he did enough to turn some heads make some plays uh here and there for the Eagles to of course they didn't keep him but they justified to put him on the uh he did just enough to keep him on the practice squad uh this was his first game being activated man it was just a great thing to see man I was you know I was genuinely happy to see this guy and I I, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this We, we love to see those underdog stories I think it's just fits perfectly with what the Eagles are for the past three or four years they're underdogs but, you know, to see this guy make a big play when the Eagles need it. Carson Wentz has been struggling um, this first month of football. And just these two guys just c- to connect. Travis Fogum and Carson Wentz, they both said that they've only worked on that twice. Uh, that was the second time they actually ran that play. Um, that's a, yeah, at all this whole season. They ran it one time in practice and Travis Fogum did catch it. So now they're two for two. <laughs> but, I mean, it's crazy. You know, that's what Carson Wentz and that's what this offense is. That's what it's down to at this point, man. You're relying on these receivers and, um, you know, tight ends with Richard Rodgers who don't have that real great chemistry yet with Carson Carson Wentz, and they're out there making these plays still. And it's just it's very good things to see, man, very encouraging. And, again, going back to Carson, you know, we're getting these glimpses again of him putting it all together and him playing like the Carson Wentz that we know and that we know he could play at a very high level. Of course, there are just glimpses and you want to see more, especially when he's in year five. It's just, it's weird, man. When they were showing those numbers of how much he's decreased, uh, or reg- I want to say regressed in the past, uh, in the season compared to the past three or four years, it's, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's weird. You know, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I can't remember the last time we saw something like that where, a guy who was in the running to be the MVP uh, three years ago, number two overall pick, just, and you know, he wasn't playing, he hasn't played bad since he came back from that ACL injury. You know what I mean? You're, you're lying to yourselves if you think he's been a bad quarterback since he came back. He's not. He hasn't played to the same level. We've seen glimpses of that level, you know, similar to what we saw yesterday. But again, though, he hasn't been this 
you know, this bad. And it's just it's very encouraging things to see, though, where he's hitting. He was able to throw a dime for, uh, for the second week in a row. He threw a nice pass to John Hightower to convert that fourth down, fourth or third down conversion or whatever it was. I know it was a big uh, conversion that the Eagles needed. Um, you know, and my favorite part that I'm seeing from Carson Wentz um, these past few games, especially, is him using his legs, man. And I touched, I touched on that on other episodes where I felt like the Eagles kind of put the training wheels back on Carson Wentz with him using his legs. And, you know, I understand, okay, you don't want him to get hurt. You want to protect him. But with an offensive line that's missing four out of five starters, at one point they had all backups because Jason Kelsey was on the sideline and they had Luke Jurga um, snapping the ball to Carson Wentz. You can't just have him sit there in the pocket, man. That's a recipe for disaster as well. And to give credit where it's due, though, that offense line has been playing well, but definitely not to the standards that we've been seeing from the Eagles offense line for the past four or five years. So to see him using his legs out there, not only extending plays, but actually getting yards and getting first downs, man, and getting touchdowns. I love that. I love to see that. Carson Wentz, when he's able to use his legs, he's a very, that's another piece of him, a part of him that he could use to make plays and continue, you know, to make some magic happen for this Eagles offense. And I love that they're starting to implement that read option offense with that read option uh, concept with Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders, because we saw how effective it was uh, when the Eagles ran it. He got a first down from it and he also got a touchdown while using the where type where those two uh, option reads that they had. So it's great to see that out there from Carson, man. I hope they continue to do that. We saw him make that incredible uh, play where he escaped the pocket, he escaped the pocket, uh, stiff armed a defensive tackle and threw a, a great pass to Boston Scott. Of course, it didn't count because there was a uh, two uh, defensive uh, two penalties on the uh, 49ers secondary where the Eagles didn't even need Carson Wentz to do that, and they got the first down regardless. But still, man. Then right the next play, I want to say. Um, actually, I think that's when they put in Hurts uh, um, in there, and he ended up fumbling the ball. And this was something that I touched on early when I did my quarterback breakdown. That I was a little bit afraid of, and I think we're starting to see that now. Where and maybe I guess maybe it makes sense right now because the Eagles, you know, with a lack of playmakers and. 49ers did a great job of containing Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz, but so you want to get your playmakers out there, or guys that can make something happen. That's why I'm I'm assuming that's why Jalen Hurts was in there, uh, you know, a lot more often than he has been in the past couple games. But again, my fear is that I think Doug Peters is trying to force Jalen Hurts in there to, to do too much, or I want to say you know he's overthinking it, where it's 31 or you know in that type of scenario and. You have momentum going, you're moving the ball, and you put Jalen Hurts in there, and you have Carson Wentz out there on the side as a wideout, just pretty much not, I don't want to say, I don't even want to say not doing anything, because we saw saw him out there blocking a cornerback uh, when he was out there as a wide receiver, but my point was, what I'm saying is that you have the momentum going, and you're putting Jalen Hurts out there, who's, he's not warmed up, he's rusty, and he's fumbling the snap, or it's just, it's a bad play call, and you lose all that, all that momentum. You know, and that's exactly what happened was Jalen Hurts was in there. He fumbled the snap smart enough. And luckily enough, he didn't try to, you know, pick it up and make a play happen or it could just ended up even an even a bigger disaster. He just fell on it, lived to see the next down, that very next down. Carson Wentz hits Travis Fogum for the game for what was the potentially the game winning, the game winning touchdown. Um, so, again, my point is that. I just hope Doug Peterson is 
smart about this as we move forward. And I get it. And I like that he did. I really enjoyed that he did it last week as well in, in the Bengals game where you're missing playmakers. You need a play. You need some yards. Okay, put Jalen Hurts in there. But at that point, you didn't really need that because you saw you were moving the ball against this defense. And Carson Wentz is getting into a rhythm. And it's very important right now, especially in the quarterback who's struggling, who's been struggling as much as Carson Wentz has. You want him to get in that rhythm. You want him to catch fire and just continue to play. You don't want him to take him out or put him out there on the side while he's getting this momentum in there just for Jalen Hurts to fumble the ball or get five yards or four yards with the quarterback keeper. You know what I mean? So it's just it's something that I just hope Doug Peterson is just smarter on doing. Um, you know, he's made some pretty questionable calls throughout the couple throughout this uh, past month. Uh, again, I, you know, I'll give him credit when credit's due. It was very ballsy of him to go for it on the, on that two point conversion. And like I said, it ended up working for the Eagles because if the Eagles just kicked the field goal, like what everybody expected them to do or what most coaches would have done. Then at that point, the 49ers, all they have to do on that last drive is just get a field goal instead of going for a touchdown, uh, a Hail Mary touchdown. You know, and obviously they were well in range in uh, Robbie Gold's field goal range to make a field goal right there. So it worked out for him. But again, just some questionable calls. I'm very curious and it was very frustrating to see that towards the end of the game where if the Eagles are managed to get a first down or two, they win the game, but they don't have Miles Sanders in there. You know, I don't. I know Doug Peterson said last week that they kind of took the workload off a little bit off of Miles Sanders because of fatigue. And I, you know, and is it, was that the case? Is Miles Sanders still, you know, trying to get back into football shape or what's going on there? Because your best player on offense is on the bench standing right next to you. And you have Boston Scott and Corey Clement in there on a very crucial drive to seal the game. You know, and Corey Clement and Boston Scott, you know, no disrespect to those guys. I know they've all done some great things here in Philadelphia. Uh, Corey Clement, that Super Bowl, in that Super Bowl run where he went off on the New England Patriots. Boston Scott, what he did last month, uh, last season, the last month of, of football, where he just, he helped the Eagles win some games. But we're talking about now, and in the first four weeks of the season, Boston Scott and Corey Clement have done little to nothing for this Eagles team. And that's just, that's just what it is, you know. What, they're, what these guys are very good at is, you know, in the passing game, getting screens, Corey Clement occasionally could get you a decent run. He hasn't really done that yet, but that's what he, that's where these guys excel at is, you know, in the screen game and getting them out in space. And the Eagles haven't been able to do that. They've been struggling in the passing, in the screen game, which is very weird. And I'll, my theory is maybe because it's a different offensive line, the timing's a little bit off. You know, that's what my theory is. I'm not sure. I mean, of course, I may be wrong, but, you know, that... I think they said a report yesterday um, where the Eagles, when they run the screen, they're averaging 1.8 yards a carry. Uh, you know, a, a yard when they're um, when they're running a screenplay, which is very concerning to see, especially of how much how successful their screen game has been for the Eagles since Doug Peterson. Well, you know, not even since Doug Peterson, since Andy Reid was here. You know, but that continued with Doug Peterson uh, in Philadelphia. So hopefully they're able to get that you know fixed, but. Again, it just it really got me upset and got me very frustrated to see that they they have Miles Sanders out there in the on the sidelines. You know, he's not only your best running back, he's your best player. You know, and I really would and again the 49ers they did a great job of um containing Miles Sanders, but they weren't completely stopping him either. 
you know, he was getting decent yards, and it's just, it's frustrating to see that. It's very, and I can't, you know, to be honest with you, I don't even know if Doug Peterson is the right guy to blame. It's no, uh, it's no secret either that um, Deuce Staley is the running backs coach, and he's the one that actually rotates the running backs in there. He's the one that gets the call to say, okay, who's the one that's going to be in there on this particular play, or who's going to be in there on this drive, or what's the rotation going to be? You know, so I think that's something I'm hoping we get some answers on that just because it's a very, it's pretty concerning to see that out there. Um, but I want to talk about the defense uh, as well, guys. The defense, without a doubt, the best performance we've seen from them all, all year so far. Um, 15 quarterback hits. In the last two games, the Eagles have 33 quarterback hits and 13 sacks. We're finally seeing this defensive line pay off with Fletcher Cox, Brendan Graham, um, Malik Jackson, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat, who my bold, my bold prediction was before the season started was that he was going to lead the team in sacks. He's well on his range, uh, on his way to do that. He has three sacks in four games. Uh, Derek Barnett, man. I know we've all been a little down on him. He especially, uh, I mentioned it in training camp, I felt like I was really low on him just because Josh Sweat was really stepping it up and Derek Barnett, who's been plagued by injuries the last few years. Just hasn't been able to put it all together, but he got a sack uh, against Trent Williams, a seven-time Pro Bowler. Well, he got half a sack against Trent Williams and two quarterback hits. Definitely great things to see from him out there. Josh Sweat, like I said, he got a sack uh, his third and four games. Hassan Ridgeway, a guy that I know the Eagles liked a lot, and a guy that's you know he's made plays when he's healthy and he's in that uh, rotation. He got a sack. Uh, Javon Hargrave, again, it's great to see him. I know a lot of guys, a lot of people are a little bit frustrated with Javon Hargrave because he wasn't, I guess, quote unquote on the stat sheet. But the guy was making his presence known where he was, you know, um, getting slight pressure on quarterbacks. He was filling up the gaps to stop run plays. So that's great things to see right there from them. Um, again, even, you know what? I, I'll admit when I was wrong, when I'm wrong, Jernard Avery, man. This guy pissed me off since week one where I saw him getting blocked by Terry McLaurin on a very crucial fourth down play uh, against the Washington football team where he just, the guy just looked like he gets no pressure. He looked like he got no pressure against the uh, against the Washington football team, just complete non-existent. He was a ghost. This guy plays 16 snaps against the 49ers yesterday. He accounts for five quarterback hits, one tackle for loss, and a sack. You know, and the difference that I saw from the Eagles here was that they actually had him as a stand-up rusher. Same thing with Derek Barnett, which is kind of interesting. I know they've done it in the past, but they did it a little bit. They This was the first time they did it this season. Maybe it's because they're waiting for him to get back into uh, football shape and playing shape. But both of these guys did some really de- some pretty good things when they were a stand-up pass rusher uh, against the 49ers. So that's some encouraging thing to see right there, you know. Eagles have been trying to figure out who's going to be that joker for them, kind of similar to what Connor Barwin was, a guy who could stand up uh, as an outside linebacker and rush the quarterback, play, put his hand in the dirt, play defensive end. Um, that's something that well, a lot of people were kind of hoping that Jannard Avery would be when they traded a fourth-round pick to the Cleveland Browns to get Rakarium last season. Uh, from uh, last season, so again, some encouraging things to see from them out there. Still, wasn't they weren't perfect. It's very frustrating to see, and I mentioned it on Twitter. Because I wasn't able to do a, I'm sorry, again, guys, I'm sorry about that. I wasn't able to do another uh, a pregame uh, matchup, and maybe I won't. The last, I mean, I haven't done a pregame matchup the past two, the past two games, and the Eagles haven't lost. I'm a very superstitious fan like that, you know. Ask my wife, ask, ask my family. They get a, 
They look at me like I'm crazy. I have to sit a certain way. Can't have the lights on. I'm crazy like that, man. I'm very superstitious. Um, I was, I'll do whatever it takes to do it on my end to see the Eagles get a dub. And if that means that not doing any pregame matchups, mm, maybe it's something that we're gonna have, I'm going to have to start considering. But um, where I was going with this was that I did a little bit of a breakdown on Twitter where it's very frustrating because... And I think teams are gonna are catching on to this because I've been seeing we've been seeing it pretty often with the past two seasons where these Eagles defensive ends they're so aggressive and I'm talking about Derek Barnett and Josh Witt. Brandon Graham's a veteran and you, you'll notice they don't do this too often on his side where they crash down so much on the running back that they're vulnerable to the jet sweeps or the reverses. And you see that very often on Josh Sweats and particularly when it's usually on Derek Barnett on their side of the field when they'll get a 20-yard gain. You saw it like yesterday, and I called it that they were going to do that. You saw it with the St. Louis Rams, who love doing that with Robert Woods and the Cooper Cup occasionally. And it's just, you know, and again, I, and I guess maybe it's the inexperience from the Eagles defensive ends. They're very, you know, they're young defensive ends because, again, this is something you don't see with Brandon Graham, not even with Vinnie Curry. Keep in mind, guys, this Eagles defense has been... This Eagles defensive line has been incredible the past two games. They're also missing Vinny Curry, who's probably their best run defender and who could also get some pressure on the quarterback. So that's, you know, and I'm not too sure on what the timetable is for him to return back from his injury, but some encouraging signs. This defense's line is only going to get stronger. You know, knock on wood, hopefully they continue to stay healthy. I know Fletcher Cox, man, he's been banged up by injuries this, um, since pretty much since the season started. And, you know, and I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but you know, with Fletcher Cox, man, it's just even at even with Fletcher Cox playing, I guess at seventy or eighty percent, the guy is so good, he's still better than most defensive tackles in the league. You know, you still have to double team him, you still have to account for him. That's where you're letting guys like Brandon Graham and Josh Wed, uh, Malik Jackson, when he's playing right next to him, and Javon Hargrave, um, you know, and Derek Barnett, where they're Again, you got to take advantage of these one-on-one matchups and rush the quarterback and get to the quarterback or get these tackles for loss against the running backs. You know, that's, again, and that's, I think that's, and I, I talked about it a few episodes too where I think that's why the Eagles really haven't focused too much on the linebacker side. Like Now, now I think teams are going to catch on. It's only a matter of time where you, you could see that you could take advantage of this line of this you know very inexperienced linebacker core and just it's just flat out not good not only not inexperienced not only inexperienced just not good uh with nate gary and duke riley those guys have you know at best these guys are average players in the nfl i mean let's just say what it is occasionally you'll get a big play from them here and there but you know and i'm talking more about nate gary duke riley really offers doesn't offer much you know, on defense he's more of a special teams ace um but again going back to that i mean I think that's why the Eagles really thought, or Howie Roseman really thought that they could get away with not having to pay for a linebacker and having to invest too much in a linebacker, um, just because this defensive line is so good and so much they've put so much into this defensive line. And for the most part, yeah, it's been working out. Other than that uh, Los Angeles Rams game where they just flat out embarrassed the Eagles defensively, um, but you know, again, still it's just just think about how much better this defense would be if they had one decent or solid linebacker. Kind of like what we were saying the past few years where 
just think about how much good this defense would be if we had one shutdown corner or one average or one decent uh decent to pretty good cornerback out there now that we have that with Darius Slay who's man hats out to Darius Slay this dude is a soldier he is built to play in Philly I'm glad we traded for him I know all this nonsense that we saw from three clips in training camp from those five second videos where he was getting burned by by these young wide receivers and people were saying he's the next Byron Maxwell and Nami Osmo this guy is a warrior okay he I thought this dude broke his arm last week against the Bengals or definitely dislocated something. And this dude came out two drives later and helped shut down AJ Green. Yesterday, this guy looked like he could have probably, you know, had a pretty significant lower body injury in his knee where he got a chop block uh, on a screen game where Brandon Ayuk just embarrassed Marcus Epps on that. I think that's the second time that's happened to Marcus Epps. I didn't Ezekiel Elliott do that where he just jumps over the guy for a touchdown. I could have sworn I think that's the second time that's happened to Marcus Epps. But anyways, you know, and I thought it's I think that's all of our worst fears right now. Uh, aside from maybe Carson Wentz getting hurt or Fletcher Cox um, getting hurt for a long period of time is losing Darius Slade because at this point that secondary will go. Oh, my God. Just probably worse than the um, Kerry Williams and the Brandon Fletcher. Just horrible if, we, if the Eagles were to lose Darius Slay. But again, man, just to see that guy come. He went to the locker room. Usually when guys for the Eagles and they go in the locker room, they don't come back. This guy came back two weeks in a row and just shut down anybody that he's going up against, man. It's so crazy and you know, Jalen Mills, he gave up a touch. Well, I guess they ruled it back. It wasn't It wasn't a touchdown. Um, originally, it was, though. But, you know, he wasn't a liability. That's been kind of what Jalen Mills has been uh, the last, you know, once a year or two. Because early on in his early on in his career, he really, he kind of was a liability. That's why everybody thought he would be better off playing safety. But, um, you know, he held his own. The, the 49ers, you know, they've been nicked up by injuries. They don't have the best wide receiving court right now. Debo Samuel... This was his first game back coming off of IR. Uh, Brandon Ayuk looks like a guy who kind of slimmed to what the Eagles, what I'm hoping what the Eagles are going to be able to do with Jane Rieger is, you know, get him the ball in different ways. Um, all three of these guys are very have very similar skill sets. I'm talking about Jaden Rieger, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuels, where they're able to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, uh, run with the ball, make some pretty good uh, contested catches. So, um, you know, again, but these they're very young, and eventually I'm pretty sure they can be. Where there'll be guys that you know you actually have to account for. They'll be true number one wide receivers. They're just not that just yet. But again, still, what Darius Lee's been able to do the past month uh, for the Eagles, we haven't seen this since Asante Samuels. Man, the guy is just built to play in Philly. Rodney McLeod, who had a pretty down year last year for his standards, has played well since returning back. Um, well, since I guess he's fully recovered from his from when he tore his ACL, he's played really well. Um, very. He got an interception yesterday, and he's not only from the interception though. He's been very good on run support. Um, so it's very, it's very good to see that from Ronnie McLeod. You know, again, I think, I mean, more than likely this might be his last season here in Philadelphia. I know they gave him a, if I'm not mistaken, a contract extension for one more year. Uh, but again, the guy's been, you know, he's really stepped up and taken on that leadership role that the Eagles had to fill with Malcolm Jenkins leaving, leaving to uh, New Orleans. But again, guys, I mean, that defense, other than the linebacker core, which 
it's just it's so frustrating, man, because you know I get the Eagles and Davion Taylor is a project. And he's a guy that's a look like that's not looked at to make an impact yet. And he's a guy that was really hurt by not having a full offseason, no OTAs, no rookie mini camps to where you could help develop those skills maybe sooner, sooner rather than later. But you know, from what I've been hearing is that he's just, he's not ready. You know, and that's concerning because Nate Gary and Duke Riley look like they've, they're not ready. They haven't been ready. You know, so how much bad is Davion Taylor? You know, or how far away is he if he can't beat these guys out yet? You know, same thing for Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley was a guy that was making some plays and turning some heads early on in training camp, but you know, for him coming out of Temple, he's looked at more as a guy that's going to be a special teams ace, kind of like a similar to Duke Riley, or you know, they excel in special teams, great locker room guys, but aren't going to provide very much on the defensive side of the ball. So, again, back to my point with Davion, man, is even if he offers the same production as Nate Gary or Duke Riley, I'd rather see him out there to where you're going to be able to develop him and help him learn and get that experience on the field. Rather than you just wasting your time with Nate Gary, who, if he hasn't been able to put it all together right now, it's probably never going to happen. I understand he made the transition from safety at Nebraska to the linebacker. But, again, guys, I mean, I, at, at this point, I think, you know, he is he is what he is. You know? And, I, you know, and he's been made fun of by, you know, by the media and by the coaching staff that he's, a, you know, he's a coach's pet. And the coaches, the Jim Schwartz, he's a Jim Schwartz guy. And... You know, they like him, you know, he executes, quote-unquote, from what they say. And, you know, he's a very smart defensive player. Again, I'm just saying from what they're saying, but doesn't he hasn't played like it. Because, you know, how many times have we seen Nate Gary look lost in coverage or, you know, just been a liability? And he hasn't really been that bad, I would say, I guess, maybe against the run. You know, he's been decent against the run, I guess. he You know, he's the last few years, he's missed tackles like crazy, but I haven't really seen... M- anything too concerning maybe one or two maybe once or twice a couple times where he's probably missed a tackle behind the backfield that he should have made but again it's nothing to nothing to what we've seen before where it's been really concerning but again it's like but now that's where he's just being a liability now in the passing game and uh you know and it's just it's ironic again because i touched on it right now it's that gary was a safety in college you think being able to cover would be a specialty but it's just it's not you know and that's concerning um a guy that I was happy to see out there get some playing time, who kind of struggled a bit, but definitely, you know, he was in position to make some plays was Kevon Wallace. And Kevon Wallace had a tough, you know, assignment going up against George Kittle, who's the best uh, tight end in the NFL. You know, and the guy, you know, <laughs> I kind of feel bad for Kevon Wallace because, again, he had good coverage on George Kittle. He was able to... He could have probably made a play, but at the very least, he wasn't going to give up a very big play to George Kittle or, you know, make him look foolish other than one time where he kind of juked out Kevon Wallace. He got a, he got an extra five or six yards, but, he you know, he played decent for a rookie again, his first start, a fourth round pick. And a lot of people are very excited about Kevon Wallace. He excelled. Um, he excelled last year for for Clemson in the slot as a run defender, um, you know, playing pretty much everywhere on the defense for for Clemson. Kind of similar to what Isaiah Simmons did for them last year, too. Um, but again, just, you know, I, I'm i okay living with that. Seeing a guy who was in position and didn't look like he was totally lost or the stage didn't look too big for him. 
You know what I mean? He was able to make a play or, you know, just be in position to make a play on his first start on the bright lights and national TV. You know, that's things that you could build off of with this guy. You know, that's things that that's what I think we all want to see from Devion Taylor is to put him out there and learn from his mistakes. Get that experience. See what you got, because you spent a third round pick on this guy on a guy who's a project and who was considered a project and who the Eagles could have made be- uh, had better choices in that linebacker position. You know, I'm talking about KGH with who's with the with the Cincinnati Bengals, or they could have gone after Logan Wilson out of Wyoming, Wyoming, who they were very interested in in the second round. Instead, they ended up taking Jalen Hurts. So the Eagles have had so many misses at the linebacker court and at the wide receiver court. Howie Roseman needs to pray, he needs to hope. That Davion Taylor or Sean Bradley, more so uh, Sean Brad, uh, Davion Taylor, because he spent a third round pick on him, to pan out and is able to contribute because that linebacker court is without is the Achilles heel right now of this Eagles defense. Okay, and you know if the Eagles are able to get another cornerback to play a lot to play on the opposite side of of a Darius Slay next season, man, that's gonna be. And they're able to get a decent linebacker. Just decent. Just a guy who's not going to be a liability in the passing game or the running game. That's going to be awesome, man. You know, I like Avante Maddox. Great character guy. Great guy to follow on social media. He just he seems like a really cool dude. But I think his skill sets more for maybe that third safety role that the Eagles like to use with Marcus Epps. And it's kind of like what we saw with Corey Graham. Uh, in 2017 or as a slot corner but even then at the slot position man Cravon LeBlanc this guy if he's in there he's making plays whether it's interceptions or making a a big tackle on third down or fourth down to seal the game or uh you know getting a strips uh strip sack fumble like we saw yesterday this guy is making plays man he just makes plays yes you know he got beat by George Kittle yesterday um, last night, but a lot of guys get beat and get burnt and make and get look make uh, are look get looked silly when they're covering George Kittle. But again, I think that's just the type of mindset that he has, where he was able he bounced back from that, and later on in the game he got a big a sack a big strip sack uh, for a fumble, and the Eagles were able to recover it. That kind of helped pave the way for the Eagles to get that momentum back. So you know. It's kind of disappointing. I'm very glad the Eagles didn't splurge on Nikhil Roby Coleman. I think he signed for the for the league minimum, if I'm not mistaken. But the guy's just, you know, he hasn't been what he was in St. Louis. And that Eagles haven't really been burned by that move too much just because Cravion LeBlanc has been playing really well in the slot. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, if the Eagles are able to get another cornerback aside, opposite of um, Darius Slay, that secondary could do some pretty good things, man. Um but yeah, you know, I'm just hoping that eventually they're able to address the linebacker court. I mean, I don't know how you can though, to be honest with you, at this point in the season. I don't see the Eagles really making a big a trade for anybody. I don't even know who would be on the trade block, who would be available at this point. Um, there's definitely nobody in the streets that's gonna be better than what the Eagles have right now either. I know, I know I've heard, you know, Michael Kendricks is out there, but I mean Michael Kendricks, I mean, again, and Nigel Bradham, who was cut after two weeks for with being with the Saints. And he just, he wasn't, you know, any better than what Nate Gary and Duke Riley are right now either, let's be honest, at this point in his career. But, you know, they just, they have to figure this out. The linebacker court, they have to figure out, they have to get Davion Taylor ready. They do. 
And he's a guy that, you know, when you put the film on him, he doesn't have great technique. He doesn't, you know, and that's understandable. And that's, you know, okay coming from him. Be- and it's not his fault that he was drafting the third round by Howie Rosen with a team that needs a linebacker really uh, bad right now, but somebody that's able to play right away. Devion Taylor was a guy that you probably pick in the fifth round if you want to build on the project. You know, not a third round pick where you need a linebacker right now to play. And again, that's not his fault. And, you know, because he didn't play, uh, I think he missed his senior year or his junior year in high school for religious reasons. So he's still learning the linebacker position. But he's a guy who's extremely fast. He's a guy who's, he doesn't give up. And, you know, he's a sideline to sideline linebacker. And he could kind of help. Hold his own a little bit in, 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 uh, as a as a cover linebacker. Who again, you still have to work with them. You have to develop him in the running game. I mean, at this point, though, what do you have to lose by putting him over a guy like Nate Gary or Duke Riley? Um, I'm hoping that T.J. Edwards is okay. Uh, he was, I think, he was ruled out of the game after the second after uh, going into the second half with a hamstring injury. That would be a very big blow to this Eagles defense because he's a very he's the best linebacker that the Eagles have. Um, with him being now, that's actually forced Alex Singleton, who I've pretty I've been a pretty big fan of Alex Singleton. Hearing from his story as a uh, playing in the CFL, being a C, uh, the Canadian uh, Defensive Player of the Year over there, coming over here from to the Eagles uh, as a tryout. I believe he was cut by six uh, six times in the NFL and the Eagles. He actually finally was able to stick with the Eagles on the practice squad last season, uh, and then he was elevated elevated up from the practice squad last year. He made the team this year. Um, and the guy, man, he, I mean, again, another one of these guys who, how much worse could he be than Nate Gary and Duke Riley? You know, he made some pretty big plays, tackled some pretty big plays in the running game where he tackled McKinney for a tackle for loss. Um, he got the the pick six that pretty much sealed the game for the Eagles. You know, so how, again, you you see what Nate Gary is at this point. Put these other guys in there and see what they have. Because I know I sound like a broken record, but it can't get any worse, man. Get these guys, let these other linebackers get to get some experience and see if they're able to actually play in this league at a consistent level, you know? But all right, guys, that's pretty much all I got for today from this, uh, you know, um, touching on the, the Eagles game yesterday on the win. Very good, man. Very good. Very good feeling this Monday. I haven't felt this good on a Monday in a long time. I even called in from work today because I just... I'm in a good mood, man. It's Victory Monday. I love it. Go Birds. Uh, make sure to follow your boy on Twitter, guys. Uh, I'm always forgetting my Twitter handle. It's embarrassing, I know. <laughs> That's going to be Philly underscore weekly. Follow me on Twitter, guys. If you guys want to ask me any questions, hit me up there. Uh, don't forget to leave a... You know, a rating or a, you guys can even ask me a question on a review. Leave a review. A five-star rating would be appreciated uh, on your pod, on your uh, platform, wherever you're listening to this on. But thanks, you guys. Y'all stay safe out there. Go Birds, baby.